Welcome to the Start Something Show. Join world-renowned experts, change agents, and everyday folks who have done the amazing. All here to help you start something incredible. Now it's time to step out, live your perfect day, and create a legacy with your host, Tina Dietz. there it is tina deets and welcome to another episode of the start something show with me tina deets like i said it's me hey hi <laughs> this week on the show i'm welcoming sharon mcgrill who is the owner of the betty brigade which is a concierge service they help people with organizing and moving and making their life just so much more so much more better how's that for a sentence <laughs> Okay. Uh, She's going to share her experience going from corporate to a solo act to then growing to having a dozen employees. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about how to get more organized and also about how she developed this business, even in sight of dealing with being around Detroit during the time of Detroit basically falling apart. And um, and how she grew that business. So very cool story. She's a she's a really neat lady. So much determination. Uh, and I, I love talking with her. So we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. In the meantime, though, of course, it is time for our Don't Be That Guy segment. Everyone's favorite segment. That's what they tell me. And our Don't Be That Guy this month. <sighs> well, this is kind of a new Don't Be That Guy. This Don't Be That Guy hasn't been around for that long. And this has to do with Periscope. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Periscope is a new, or new-ish anyway, platform for streaming live video. Uh, So kind of like having a little bit of a live show, and it's attached to Twitter. And there's some other platforms, too, that are similar. Meerkat, uh, Blab is another one that's just come out recently. Very cool platform, uh, neat way to kind of get your message out to the world. Well, here's what I got to say about the don't be that guy aspect of these live video streaming platforms like Periscope. A couple of things. One, please do not drive and Periscope at the same time. You will kill somebody. Okay, you're not even supposed to be texting or on the phone while you're driving, let alone shooting a video. Don't periscope and drive. If you see someone periscoping and driving, I, I, I can't even go on. Okay, that's one. Secondly, you don't need to periscope every moment of your day. Okay, this is not the Truman Show. We don't need to see you getting a haircut necessarily. We don't need to see you grocery shopping. I know you're experimenting with a new platform, but really, come on. Come on. This is worse than cat pictures. I I actually like me some cat pictures. But we don't need to see you every minute of the day. I don't need to see a notification that you're periscoping. I kid you not, some people are periscoping up to 10 times a day. How are you getting anything done? How are you getting anything done? Go make the world a better place. Stop periscoping unless you're making the world a better place. Unless you can tell me you're making the world a better place, get off a periscope. Get off. That's what I have to say about that. So that is my don't be that guy for the month. Don't be the annoying Periscope guy. All right? So if you have a don't be that guy that you want to share with us, go over to the startsomethingshow.com. Go to contact us. Tell us about your don't be that guy or just email us. Simple. Info. Info at. Info at the startsomethingshow.com. Tell us about your don't be that guy and we'll say nice things about you if we feature you on the show. Well, I might say nice things about you anyway, if you're awesome, because you might be. I hope you are. 
You probably are. You're awesome, right? Okay, good. All right, on to the interview. Today we're welcoming onto the Start Something show Sharon McGrill. And Sharon likes to help busy people get things done. Hallelujah. <laughs> she is the owner and president of the Betty Brigade, which is an Ann Arbor-based personal assistance and concierge company. And Sharon and her team of 12 Bettys perform such projects, things like moving, coordination, organizing, and event planning. She's one of the most organized, straightforward human beings I've ever spoken to. And her business currently, I'm going to out her a little bit right here and say, you know, it took us a long time to organize Sharon being on the show because her business is growing at such a large rate. She's hit a huge tipping point. We're going to talk about that today. And before we get to that, just know that for more information on the Betty Brigade, go check it out at www.bettybrigade.com. Sharon, thank you for starting something with me today. Oh, I will start something with you anytime, Tina. <laughs> that is a, uh, that's a dangerous uh, offer to make me. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> You never know what you're going to get yourself into. So that's awesome. But I really appreciate you coming on the show because I know that you're experiencing a real uh, expansion phase right now with the Betty Brigade. Oh, holy moly. I was just telling one of my coaches that I'm in a tidal wave of abundance and I'm not quite sure when I get to come up to breathe, but it's pretty overwhelming and exciting and good and fun and crazy. That's fabulous. I want to circle back around to that in a little while. But before we go ahead and delve into what's happening right now, for our superstarters out there, I want you to give us an idea of how did the Betty Brigade get started? When did you decide you wanted to change your life and start something? Well, actually, someone decided for me. Um, I worked in corporate life and I got downsized with a group of about 70 people. So all of a sudden I had to figure out what I wanted to do with my life after thinking I was going to stay in the corporate world for a while. So it was very surprising and definitely upended me. I didn't know what to do. So I got another corporate job, which completely sucked. It was the most terrible job and I was miserable. I just kept thinking about, well, what could I do? What am I good at? And I made a list of all the things that I was good at and the things I knew how to do. Now, those are two separate lists. Very much so. Because the things that you are good at may not always be things that people want to pay money for. Like, I'm really good at eating popcorn. I don't think anybody wants to pay me money for that. <laughs> but anyway, that's the... There's probably a website for it, but don't go oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's what I'm talking about is, you know, figuring out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. From there, that's when my small business was born. And it used to be called My Gal Friday, and it is now called the Betty Brigade. That's a whole nother story and a whole nother show about navigating change. So if you want to talk about that later, we can do that another time. But the point is that figuring out and making that list really was the parameters or the walls of my business. 
And has it evolved and changed? Of course it has. It's been almost 13 years and anything that is alive will grow and change um, unless you don't give it any attention. So the business continues to evolve. And where we started was with errands and pet care and helping people like meeting the delivery guys or meeting a repairman at people's homes and organizing and that sort of thing. And we still do organizing. That's that's a big part of our business. But where we evolved to and where we are now is that we help relocate people all the time. So we are constantly helping people in transition, whether they're moving in or moving out or whether someone has died and the family has to liquidate an estate. That's another thing that we do, which helps families in transition. Well, now I actually hadn't realized that your business had evolved into that full-scale relocation aspect of things. That's really interesting because you work both with personal services as well as with companies, right? Correct. So we do corporate relocations, but we also do these estate liquidations, which are also usually through corporations, through CPA firms or estate lawyers or probate attorneys, that sort of thing, or or trust officers at banks. But we also work with individuals who call us up and say, mom died and we're ready to let things go and we need help getting the house on the market. And so essentially we are doing the same set of skills for two clients. We talk with them a little bit differently just because we use more businessy terms when we're working with our corporate clients and we're a little bit softer when we're working with our residential clients, but it's the same set of skills. And all of this started with pet sitting and running errands and organizational skills. Exactly. And has grown into this over 13 years. That is so cool because so many small business owners that I speak with are nervous about their growth pattern, and they always see themselves as kind of staying small. When you started this, did you have a larger vision that you would have 12 employees, that you'd be working with corporations, or did you imagine that this would be you know, a solo act? Well, at first, I thought it would be a solo act because I thought I would get another corporate job that uh, that I would eventually move into and, and that, that the small business would just kind of be my my part-time on-the-side hobby business. Uh, some people refer to that as a lifestyle business. And that's not actually what happened. I gave myself a year to either make it work or not make it work. And at the 11-month mark, I had to hire my first employee. So that told me, okay, well, this is working and you're starting to get some a little bit of profit in now. So what are you doing to move it forward. And so that's when I had to actually write a business plan at the one year mark. And usually people do it the other way around. They write the business plan and then grow the business. But yeah, that's not true, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I know, you know, so many businesses I've worked with in the past to say, yeah, that plan thing, I should have done that. And, you know, so, you know, working with a lot of entrepreneurs yourself, a lot of times the entrepreneurial mindset is ready, fire, aim. Oh, yeah. You know, so that that plan is is either an academic exercise that doesn't get paid much attention to or it never gets done at all because folks are too busy. So it's interesting that you went in that direction. Now, when you were getting things up and running as as you've been growing this business, what's been a like an epic fail or a major challenge that you've had to overcome? Well, I sort of mentioned it earlier. The first like huge like gut punch (laughs) And it really was a gut punch because I felt like I was going to throw up was I got one of those FedEx letters, 
you know, it's just a single page in an envelope from FedEx saying to cease and desist my company and that another company wanted to use the name My Gal Friday to create a franchise business across the U.S. Well, that was always my plan as well. And so all of a sudden I get a letter from FedEx saying, you don't get to do that. And not only do you not get to do that, you don't get to use the name that you thought you could use. Now, I had registered it in the state of Michigan, which is where we're based. So I immediately called my attorney and I said, after I felt like I wasn't going to throw up anymore, because I really did, like, holy crap, what happens when somebody tells you that you can't use the name of your business after you've been using it for three and a half years? It was really scary. My attorney said, you have two choices. You can litigate and you're going to spend a bunch of money and you will probably only ever get to use the name in the state of Michigan like you're already doing. Or you can change the name of your business and get on with your life. I said, can I think about it? And he said, yes, but not too long. Call me back in 48 hours. And I said, okay. So I took it to my team, my staff, and I said, all right, you guys, this is what's going on. And I told them the situation and they said, well, let's change the name. And I said, well, it's not that easy. How do we find a name that someone hasn't already used? They said, well, let's have a public contest to rename the company. So that's exactly what we did. We had a public contest to rename our company. And then based on the best ideas that we got, we went out and registered the best name. Like we checked the top three. But then the best name was the Betty Brigade, and that's what we became. Interestingly enough, we're more popular now, and people remember us better now than they did when we were Gal Friday. I love the name Betty Brigade. I just Thanks. It really evokes a, a certain sense of people coming to help, not just one, but many, like a, like and, a team, which is very cool. And that is us. We are a team. Exactly. <laughs> now let's talk about your, uh, your your team for a minute because you've now grown to having about a dozen employees, right? Yes, but we're short-staffed right now. And of course, having a flood of business and not enough staff is always, it makes my heart beat fast. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine so. I would imagine so. What, um, what kind of wisdom could you impart someone who's looking to hire and hire well? What are the things you've learned along the way? Okay, if you have never hired an employee, write down what your dream employee would be. Like, write down the attributes of your dream employee. And you can do this in paragraph form. You can do this in bullet points, whatever makes you comfortable. But write down, like, what that perfect employee would be like. Because the more you map it out for yourself, when you see them, you will be like, wow, that's really pretty close. And I'm willing to take a chance on pretty close to see if they can get to my ideal employee. Because nobody's going to be absolutely perfect. That's always true. Always true. Now, did you do management before you were on your own when you were in corporate? I did. If you found that there's a lot of fundamental differences between managing corporate and managing your own business? Well, when you manage your own business, you get to make the decisions and there is nobody else to blame. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the corporate world, there is a lot of finger pointing and a lot of CYA. For those of you who don't know, go look it up, CYA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, it's very much about 
in the corporate world, it's very much about protecting your own job and not sticking your neck out too far and really being pretty careful. When you run your own business, you have to be fairly comfortable taking some risks. And it doesn't mean that you have to be out there gambling with your business. What it means is that you have to be able to say, can I forgo paying myself and float it for a week in order that I can pay these other bills? Or am I willing to work 70 hours this week in order to make sure that the payroll gets met next week? There's some trade-offs in there that you have to be willing to step into some discomfort in order to get where you want to go. Yeah, it, it can definitely look like either a Benny Hill routine or you're feeling like a little bit of a mad scientist. What can I concoct in the laboratory today to make this all work? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Your specialties are, of course, you know, helping people in transition. And the Start Something Show is all about helping people through transition. So from a very practical standpoint, one of the things we see here in the, in the tribe is that, you know, folks who are dealing with transition, details get lost because we only have one brain and we may not have all the structures in our lives to figure out what's best for us. When when you're working with someone on an organizational standpoint, how do you help people make decisions about what organizational structures they can or should use? I'm going to talk about coaching because I was the person who thought that I had all the answers. I was the person who thought that I could figure it all out on my own, on the cheap, okay? And I'm sure that a couple of you are listening that are like, oh yeah, that's me. And what I learned is that there are people out there with better ideas, who can do it faster, who can do it smarter than you, and they are willing to teach you for a small fee. My advice, if anybody out there is willing to take it is pay these people. Okay, let me give you an example. It's like you're in your kitchen and your kitchen sink is spouting water and you have no idea how to turn it off. But you say, no, I'm going to figure this out on my own. But there's a plumber that lives next door. And you could walk next door and say to the plumber, please come help me. I will pay you. Or you can spend two or three hours trying to sort it out yourself when the plumber can come in and fix it in about one minute. It's a great analogy. There's people that are just better at things. Like there's a skill set that we all have. My skill set is organizing and seeing the big picture and motivating people. That is my skill set. I'm really good at those things. I'm also pretty good at sales. My husband's skill set is being very detail oriented and he catches things all the time that I miss. Now, I also get him to move faster because I am a fast person and he is a methodical and slow person. Nothing wrong with either of those things. It just means that everybody has a different skill set. And if you look at someone's skill set and say, can they help me do it faster? You have to think about, will that be cheaper for me? Because sometimes getting it done faster by the right person, even though you pay them money, ends up saving you tons of time and money and energy. I can definitely agree with that from a personal and professional perspective, for sure. 
for sure. Let's delve a little bit deeper here into, and I know we're going to go into the backstage pass, which I invite you all to join us over on the startsomethingshow.com to make sure that you can get your backstage pass access that Sharon's going to be talking about more organizational details, how to become more organized, uh, working through transitions on that portion of our show. But for right now, Sharon, if somebody is looking to make some changes in their life, let's say that they're looking to create a more organized office. This is one I hear a lot. What are some things people need to to look at to create a space that's going to have high productivity? Well, the first thing I will say is look around. Are there things in the room that don't belong? And by that, I mean, when you walk in your office, are there things that do not get used in your office. Like, for example, we were working with a lady a few weeks ago and we walked in her office and she said exactly that. I'm not being productive. I've got bits of paper everywhere. I can't find anything. And I walked in her office and it was also the storage space for her grandchildren's toys. And there were toys all over her office. And I said, So do the toys need to be here? And she said, well, I like when they come and play when I'm working. And I said, this is your office. This is your sanctuary. This is the space where you make money. So are you okay with your grandchildren interrupting your money flow? And that all of a sudden woke her up to, wow, that's exactly what's happening. And so when I say, are there things that do not belong? I mean, Is there paperwork from 20 years ago that does not belong in that office that you could put in a banker box and either you can shred it or you can archive it in another room of the house so that it can be shred when the time comes or it can be accessed when the time comes, but it's not in your regular high productivity space because your office is a high productivity space. And what about if somebody doesn't have an office? They're, they're working in a small space or there simply isn't a separate room for them to work in. Do you recommend that they, that they use the kitchen table, that they leave? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. What matters is that they can put their hands on whatever they need and that their space that they're using is still a useful space for whatever it was originally intended. So like... If you're using the dining room table during the day, then can you easily pick it up, put it away, put it back in a box and take it out tomorrow and then have the dining room table ready for dinner? Because that's really what the dining room table is for. It's not your desk unless, you know, you're totally okay with that, which I'm not. As an organizer, I am not okay with leaving your stuff out all the time. Well, especially having a family, and I know right now we're actually in the middle of an organizational project here at the house ourselves, and our dining room table is covered with piles of stuff that we're moving through and shredding and organizing and all of that. And yeah, that's going to last for about 24 hours or 48 hours before I I get antsy and go, no, this is interrupting the flow of having a family meal. So Mm -hmm. it's got to go. It's got to go fast. (laughs) And it's and it's fine if those things are in transition. Okay, so here's the example I give my husband. We're both really, really busy right now. And we're both working like 70 hour weeks. Is it okay if the house gets a little cluttered and messy? Is it okay if like multiple pairs of shoes end up in the living room? Is it okay that I'm looking at it right now? Is it okay that my husband's guitar is sitting next to the dining room table where it doesn't really belong? Yes, it's okay because he's really busy right now. And 
there is a way to say, all right, when you get a minute to breathe, these things need to go away. And to be a little bit forgiving in that space, because when people are working hard, you have to let them just be a little messy, because sometimes things get worse before they get better. And so we say that to our clients all the time that it will likely get messier before it gets more organized because we have to pull everything out to be able to put it away neatly. So think about it from that perspective. When you're organizing, spreading things out all over is part of the process. Just a matter of making sure that you have created the time and the space to make sure that it goes away in a timely fashion. Exactly. Right. So it doesn't become yet another mess to step over that you then have to reorganize later. Right. And so in my house, it's a weekly cycle of things get messy during the week. And then on the weekends, they get picked up. And then they get messy during the week. And then on the weekends, they get picked up. That is our cycle. And I'm totally good with that. But everybody else has different you know, different parameters around that. It might be a monthly pickup, which takes longer because the longer you let things build up, the longer it takes to put them away. So just be aware that your time frame, if you pick up daily at the end of the week, there's no pickup to do. If you pick up weekly, it might be a couple hours. If you pick up monthly, it might be a couple of days. Depends on your tolerance and how you like you structure your time. That's exactly right. Okay. Are there any apps or books or both that you recommend for folks when they want to become more organized, more productive in their daily life? There are a bajillion organizing books out there. And there are organizing books. There are organizing websites. There's all kinds of stuff out there if you want to be more organized. It's really about, and there's no one right way. That's the kind of interesting, It's some might call it a conundrum about organizing, is that there is no one right way to organize. The right way is actually whatever works for you. You may not know what works for you. So understanding what kind of person you are, understanding how you like to find your stuff. Some people are totally good with stacking things and finding it in a stack. I personally like to prioritize things into hot, medium, and cold. That's my system. Other people like to set it to the side, put it in a box, use baskets, use bins. There's lots of different ways. Whatever works for you is really the best way. Any personal favorites that have made a difference for you personally? The thing that works for me the most is really just prioritizing every day, looking at what does my day look like and what are the things that absolutely need to get done today and what are the things that could be pushed off. For example, I told you that I was working in the garden today. So one of the things that I want to do, I have this enormous plant. I don't even know what kind of plant it is, but it hits the ceiling and it's, it, we actually decorated as a Christmas tree. It's that big. Oh my goodness. Um, it needs to be repotted. And so my plan today is to repot that plant and I'm going to have to divide it. I'm going to have to take off the dead parts of it. I'm going to have to, you know, really spend some time working with this. Probably going to take about three or four hours to do this plant because it's big. But I've set aside time this afternoon so that I can complete that project. Then I don't have to think about it again for probably three or four more years until it needs to be repotted again. If you have a project that you know is going to take a period of time, set aside that time or at least set aside a portion of every day to chunk away at it. Maybe it's the first hour of your morning. I'm pretty productive early in the morning, so I like to, you know, like get things done fast. 
And then the things that take less brain power, I do later in the day. That's uh, my pattern as well. I tend to be uh, to fade, start to fade around that three o'clock mark myself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason that siestas exist. I've always I do very well in in, in Latin cultures myself. Oh, uh, I'm such I'm a nap time. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely a nap gal too. I understand. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've always envied the some of the the airports in Asia and things like that. When I hear they have nap pods in the airports and all of that, I thought that's such a good idea. Nap pod. Sharon, I really appreciate you sharing the small piece of what I know is your enormous wisdom and experience in this area, as well as, you know, some of your journey. And I'm thrilled that you're going to be sticking around to do a backstage pass interview so we can talk some more about organizing tips. And also, uh, you have considered changing your business, actually, into enfranchising. And so you've had some experience in deciding whether that was going to be a good fit for your business. So we're going to be talking about that, too, on the backstage pass. Yes? Uh, yes, we are. And, and things are changing. That's very cool. So superstars, make sure that you have a backstage pass. You want to learn about the decision-making process around is franchising a good fit for me or not? Sharon's going to share her personal experience about that as well. Of course, we all need continually as we're growing to up-level our organization, up-level our, the structures that we have to kind of keep all those plates and juggle bits in play. So join us on the Backstage Pass with Sharon and make sure also you go to the show notes at thestartsomethingshow.com and get all the links that she's mentioned. Get the links to Sharon's website. She also shares some great tips on the BuddyBrigade.com. And Sharon, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right. Awesome. And thank you, Superstarters, for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Start Something Show. Start something with purpose. Start something with freedom. Start something now. Go to thestartsomethingshow.com, join our community of superstarters, and get your perfect day planner pack, a free resource to help you create the life you've dreamed of living. Take action now, and we'll see you for our next exciting episode.